Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. saints. We are certainly uh, thankful to uh, Pastor Preston for the privilege 
in her absence to stand behind this sacred desk. Now this is Thanksgiving Sunday. Now I, I know our church has been through. We just sent home our beloved son and brother Jalen uh, on last weekend. Feels like it's been a lot longer than that. It's only been a week. Our hearts are still mourning. Many of us have and continue to go through a lot of uh, heartache. I know Sister Diane buried her mom a couple of weeks ago. The Bell family had death in that family as Deacon in training Tim Bell funeralized his father. The Morant family has had death in their family. I know my wife had her aunt and her cousin. I've had death in my family. And I dare say if I were to poll every one of you have had some type of death in your family throughout this year. It's been a rough year, to say the least. People are getting sick. People are losing their jobs. There's still a lot of uncertainty, not only in this country, but around the world. But despite all of that, can I tell you, that God is still worthy to be praised. Can I tell you that on Thanksgiving Sunday, we are not to allow the gloom and the doom of what's going on to keep us from saying thank you. For he woke you up. Come on, I wish I had a church this morning. As I was thinking, and Pastor called me last night, and we were praying, and we were uh, talking, and, and, and the Lord said, despite everything else that's going on, I ought to be praised. Because if it had not been for God, uh, things could have been a lot worse. I know there's been some death in our church. I, I know that you may have had death in your family. I, I know perhaps you might have lost your job, but I, I want you to know that God is still worthy to be praised. For being God, even in adversity and affliction, you are a good God. We have seen some horrible things happen in 2020. Much tears have been shed. Many lives have been lost. But yet we stand on the faith that God is good all the time. You are good. And so we come with thanksgiving and with praise. We come with worship because you are worthy. Bless us now, God, as we feast on your word we thank you god that you provided this nourishment to keep us going when times are tough when we cannot figure out what's going on when sorrow comes 
We can always run to your word and find comfort. And so, Father, I pray that you will open up our minds and our hearts, that you will prepare us to hear what you would have for us to receive. From the preacher to every listener who are watching wherever they are, make us receptive. And then that we will allow that word to marinate in our hearts throughout the week and beyond and help us to draw closer to you. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I certainly don't want to miss out on the opportunity to thank God again for, first and foremost, our praise team, our musicians. Y'all have been consistent despite all of the struggles. And I was sharing with Minister Derek this week that what I appreciate is there is a level of genuineness and a level of commitment that you are singing not to perform. You are truly worshiping. While folks are staying home and people don't want to venture out, you made your way to the church and avail yourself without your mask to sing glory unto God and give him praise. And I want you to know that God has a special favor and blessing that he will pour over your life because when you have sown into the kingdom of God you will reap a harvest and so we thank you as we are always grateful and thankful to uh, our brothers who are leading our <laughs> multimedia ministry the twin brothers are doing an awesome job and we are ever so grateful to them because they've made it accessible and possible for us to be able to fellowship together, though not in the same space. Amen? Father, we are just honored to be in your presence. On this day, we are finishing chapter 1 in the book of John. Brother Brett said to Pastor, let's make sure we preach series and stay steadfast in our series. So we make sure that everyone who's preaching is staying consistent as we deal with the Gospel of John, today we are covering verse 43 uh, to 52. I don't know if any of you remember this movie. Maybe I'm uh, aging myself. In 1985, the movie came out called Jewel of the Nile. It starred Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito. In it, Turner, who is a writer, gets an invitation from a dubious individual in the Middle East who happened to be the president of a nation who has a plot of his, of his sleeve to dominate and control the region, particularly his country. So when she accepted, she discovered that this man was a tyrant. And ultimately, she was thrown in prison. But Danny DeVito and Michael Douglas had been looking for the jewel of the Nile. And in their mind, they thought that the jewel of the, of the Nile was a precious stone. So they kept looking. But Kathleen Turner was, in, was thrown in the prison, in the dungeon, in the man's uh, mansion or palace, and in while there she met a very simple man that was in chains. 
And in talking to the man, she discovered the man was a religious man, a righteous man. And she couldn't figure out why such a nice man will be enchained in a dungeon. And come to find out that the jewel of the Nile that everyone had been looking for was not a precious stone, but was the man in chains. That the jewel was a person and not a stone. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees spend their entire lives in a quest for the ultimate truth and reality. But when the ultimate truth and reality in the person of Jesus came among them, they denied him because they were still looking for something greater. The world, since the beginning of time, has been looking for the Lord, the great thing, the Buddhists, the Hindus, everybody has been looking in search for that ultimate truth and reality. And all the while, Jesus, the Logos, has made himself available and most people cannot understand and appreciate that he is the one. And I think it is really important for Christians to understand that when we made our decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have chosen the one. In chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, Jesus is called the Messiah, the Lamb of God. The Logos, the anointed one. John makes it clear that Jesus is the one prophet of old that have been spoken about throughout the Old Testament. He is the high priest who meets the deepest need of every heart and fits every human need. One Scottish preacher named Alexander White, he said, Jesus is the answer to all our questions, the satisfaction to all of our wants, the bread for all of our hunger, the light for all of our darkness, the strength for all of our weakness, the medicine for all of our sickness, the life for all of our death. And I think sometimes we who believe in Jesus Christ do not understand the jewel that we have in our hand. It's easy to take Jesus for granted. It's easy to overlook the fact that had it not been for the blood at Calvary, you and I would be on our way to hell. It's easy to overlook that it is Jesus that's keeping you alive right now. Sometimes we don't appreciate the gift, the jewel that we have in the person of Jesus. The songwriter says, what a friend we have in Jesus all of our sins and seek to bear. Everything, everything lies, begins, and starts with Jesus. And sometimes I think we take Jesus for granted and we don't understand that he is the one. We spend time searching, looking, asking, but every now and then all you have to do is have a little talk with Jesus. Whatever the need is, Jesus can meet that need. Show me a sickness, Jesus can heal that sickness. 
Let me see a problem or burden. Jesus will help you lift that burden. I don't care what you're going through. Just have a little talk with Jesus. So, so sometimes we walk around as if we're still looking for the thing. We're still looking for the one. Can I tell you, you, always, you already have the one, and the one is Jesus. There ain't none other. Nobody else is coming. Nobody else is needed. If you have Jesus, you have everything. See, church folk ought to get excited about that. They tell us that we need to buy this. Uh, 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 uh. Geico says we need that insurance. Allstate says we better buy that extra insurance. When we buy furniture, they say we need that extra insurance. You got warranty companies say you better buy that warranty company. Some folks say you better get yourself a gun. Some folks say you better be a politician and, or be part of this political party. Can I tell you, if you have Jesus, you can sleep at night. You can drive your car safe. You can wake up and not worry about what's going on. If you have Jesus, you have peace, not like the world. If you have Jesus, you have joy in your life. If you have him, you have everything. Jesus is the one who can mend our brokenness. He is the only one who can quench our thirst and feed our hunger. Jesus gives peace to the weary. And he sets the oppress free. He is the I am that I am. Because of him, the world is sustained by his power. And sometimes we overlook the fact that he is the creator of all things. Thus, John calls him the Logos. And in the Hebrew understanding of the word Logos, it means that he is the originator of all things. And the word Logos is the same word that means the reason of God, the mind of God, the reality of God. It means that having Jesus means you are walking in the will, the reason, the mind, the purpose. Of God. So John the Baptist, when John pointed him out to the religious leaders, they could not believe that this carpenter from Nazareth, this nobody, as far as they know, could be the one. And incidentally, I was thinking and praying, and the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, Disciple Monica, Parents, you ought to never give up on your children. Encourage them no matter what they are going through or how far they've gone astray. You never know the destiny of a child. You never know what purpose God has in store for a child. Can I tell you that everyone who knew Jesus in his hometown probably never saw someone special in Jesus. For 30 years, they saw Jesus as just a carpenter, Mary's little boy. But there was greatness in Jesus. There is greatness, Kelly, in your child. 
There is greatness in you. Don't ever give up on your children or don't ever give up on yourself. And I've always had to remind folks that you have the breath of God in you. Greatness is in your DNA. You are destined for greatness and ultimately you are destined for glory. Don't look down on anybody because of where they live or who they are because there is greatness in that individual. They never saw greatness until John pointed him out. He is the one. I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. And later on we will see what Nathanael said about Jesus in Nazareth. But John knew that Jesus was the special one, even though everybody else thought that John was the special one. Y'all remember that kid in your class that always gets all A's, has all the talent, great at sports, good at music, always get all the accolades. Everybody likes to think that that kid is the special one. And you as a parent, you always want to compare your kid to that kid. Don't do that. Don't do that. That kid has his or her destiny, and your child has his or her destiny. Don't, don't compare or belittle the accomplishment of your child because you are looking in the mirror of somebody else's kid. Everybody thought that John was the special one. John had disciples. John had followers. John was baptizing people. John was eccentric. Walking around with funny clothes. Eating funny food. People thought that he was the one. And they could never see that Nazarene as the one. Can you see? the uniqueness of your spouse. You know, after a few years you've been married, my wife and I have been married for 27 years, it's easy to start taking each other for granted. Because you're not doing, you hang up, no, you hang up, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I, can't, I can't wait to talk to you in the morning. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm not sleepy, I'm going to talk to you. No, you hang up, no, you hang up. Those days are gone. <laughs> 27 years later, those days are gone. I'm going to tell you where we are right now. Let me sleep, woman. <laughs> I'm tired. Got to get up in the morning. It's easy not to see the uniqueness, the specialness of that person in your house. But every person, Malik, is a gift from God. And back in the day when you were kids, you used to say, God don't make no junk. But I'm going to tell you how the Bible says it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let, let, there are four things that I see in the scripture, and I'm going to get out of your way. First of all, as you look in verse 43... I hope you have your Bibles open. 
Jesus gives an invitation to discipleship. Last Sunday, I thought uh, Reverend Martha, Reverend Dr. Martha did an excellent job talking about discipleship. He did an excellent job. And here, by the time we get to verse 43, everyone in Galilee, because of what John has said, had heard of this Nazarene called Jesus. John made a whole, a whole, a whole uh, 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 thing about Jesus and saying he is the one and, 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 and that the Pharisees and all the religious leaders, you know, they were scratching their heads. And now in verse 43, Jesus extended a call. He saw Philip and told him, follow me. See, I like that. Let me, let me pause here for one second. I like that. Jesus did not say, notice this, as you look at this in verse 43, Jesus did not ask a question. He gave an order. Follow me. You know, when we give folks choices in, in our evangelism, we got to remind people, following Jesus, who is the one, is the only option that you have if you really want to have the life that he has destined for you to live. It's not a do you want to follow Jesus. It's not, is it okay to follow Jesus? Jesus says, follow me. See, Philip was from, a, uh, from the same town as Andrew and Peter. Like Andrew, he accepted the invitation to discipleship. And, and notice what uh, Philip did. You all remember in the previous verses that uh, uh, Andrew went back, he went and got his a friend, Nathanael. And what, uh, what did Philip, uh, Philip went and got Nathanael, and Andrew went and got his brother, Peter. The point here is that whenever God has set us free, and we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we must share the good news, the enthusiasm with somebody else. And that's what he did. He went and told someone what he had heard, what he had seen, and that he had found the one. And I, I like what he said. He said, I have found the one. Everybody's looking, but I have found the one. He did not say, I think I found the one. And that's where really the world is testing believers. We cannot go on a hunch. We cannot go half-stepping. When we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with unbelievers, they must know that we believe what we are saying. We are living out what we're believing. Folks must see the evidence in us. They must know that we know that we know that Jesus is the one. You cannot convince anybody else if you yourself are not convinced. So Jesus said, follow me. Then Philip went and got somebody and brought somebody in and said, I have found the one. And so as the world continues to find its footing, they're in this season of COVID-19 and there's a lot of confusion. A lot of folks are not going to church. A lot of folks are not streaming. And even in streaming, folks are streaming and they are doing everything else. They're not really focused or paying attention. 
that means that our spiritual lives are taking a hit. People are not in prayer. People are not sharing the gospel. The enthusiasm is waning. You and I have a responsibility to make sure that people understand that Jesus is the one and they need to have a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, secondly, not only is there an invitation to discipleship, when Philip went and told Nathanael that he has found the one, the response was, huh? What did you say? You found the one from where? From Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Philip wasn't quite convinced. He, he could not understand or he could not get over his prejudice about Nazareth. You see, because Nazareth was a little town, scholars tell us. Approximately about 200 to 400 people only lived in Nazareth. And most people, 90 plus percent people living in Nazareth were all related. They were all from the same tribe. People knew each other. Nazareth did not have a whole lot to offer. Nazareth was a simple place where everybody that lived there practiced the same faith the same way. They were mostly all very orthodox in their practices. They shared a commonality. And there was nothing unique. If you wanted to set up a church, Nazareth would not be the place where you go and set up a church. If you were going to choose a leader, Nazareth was not going to be the place where you go and find a leader. Because there was nothing special about Nazareth. But, 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 but notice, notice what happened. And I believe the word he's here for, for a reason. Uh, you must never look down on people based on what you've heard or where they come from. Because you never know what God is going to do or what God can do through anybody. See, uh, uh, Nathanael, and the name Nathanael really is an interesting name. That is the same disciple that is only mentioned in the book of John. Because in the other gospels, other three gospels, the same person is called Bartholomew. The name Nathanael is really means the son of Talmai. And the, real, the name of the disciple is really Bartholomew. And this is one of the very important disciples of Jesus. But he did not understand that despite where Jesus came from, there was still greatness in Jesus. Don't be discouraged when you go and you share the gospel with someone and because of what they've heard about you, because of where you come from, they don't think that you have the alacrity that you have the ability to share the gospel the way that they want to hear it. It's okay for people to doubt you because of what they thought they knew about you. But nevertheless, I want to encourage you, keep sharing the word of God because it's not what people think, it's what God is doing in your life. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Newark, New Jersey? Can, can anything good come out of Durham, come out of Raleigh? Can anything good 
Oh, you've heard it. There are folks who will say it. And you know the, the crowd? The people that used to know you when. When you go and you share the gospel with them, they'll say things like, she thinks you're all that now. I, I remember you from where you came from. We grew up in the same neighborhood. I know what school you went to, Sammy. Don't be trying to act like you're all that now, all holier than thou. Huh? I know your mama. You're all on welfare. Uh, you know how folks talk. Come on, let's get, can we get real here? Can, can we get real? Folks will talk about your past as if your past defined or determined your destiny. What they were really saying about Jesus is, how can a carpenter from the ghetto of Nazareth, from a nobody, and nobody from a nowhere, be the one? Huh? How can this boy from New Jersey, Haiti really, be the one? Can we be real about it? Huh? What can you tell me? You don't know nothing. You ain't been nowhere. You are a nobody. But thank God that he can turn a nobody into a somebody to tell everybody about the one person who can save everybody. So when folks tell you you are nobody, say, yes, I am a nobody. But I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the somebody who can save anybody. Huh? So, so Nathanael said, can anything come out of Nazareth? Huh? Can, can anything good come out of this marriage? Can anything good come out of this child? Can anything good come out of this city? Can anything good come out of this church? Can I tell you, for as long as God is in it, yes, something good can come out of this marriage. Yes, something good can come out of this child. Yes, something good can come out of this city or this church. Because if God is in it, he can fix the mess and turn it into ministry. Sometimes we got to get over our prejudice. We say things like, I can't go to such and such church. I'm black. You know how we do. We carry on. I, it, ain't, it ain't my thing. It's not my thing. No. Wherever God will have you to serve. Wherever God will have you to serve. Be open. Because the kingdom of God is all inclusive. Can anything good come out? Nazareth. Yes, and I'm sure Jesus probably heard him say that, saw him say that. He needed to overcome his prejudice. Can I ask you a question? What prejudice do you need to overcome so you can be more effective in the work of ministry? Sometimes we, for we do not acknowledge our prejudices. We hold them. And they are hindering our ability. We don't want to go to the inner city anymore. Some of us don't want to go to prisons to share the gospel with folks. There are places that we refuse to participate in or to attend or to go. Because we just don't think that nothing good is going to come out of that. It's a waste of your time. 
whenever you have a chance to share the gospel, it's never a waste of your time. Maybe you are the one God is calling to go back to your high school. Because some of the folks in your high school remember you, and you are probably the one that is best suited to lead them to Christ. Maybe it is in your neighborhood, your old neighborhood, not the fancy subdivision you're living in now, that old neighborhood. Maybe you are the one to finally send that email to your buddies that you used to go to clubs with and let them know you have found the one. You have found the one. Maybe it's an old girlfriend. Maybe it's someone that you used to hang out with. Let them know. I have found the one, and I would that you would find the one too. But don't be offended if people say, can anything good come out of you? Thirdly, Jesus know who we really are. See, I like that because a lot of us move from one state to the other, so we can start our lives afresh. You know, Brother Sammy, we press the restart button. We, we don't want folks to know that other person that used to live in that other state. We redo our image. We, we do a whole lot of things and sometimes even change our names. See, while Nathanael was saying, all that he was saying, Jesus already saw him coming. Can I tell you that Jesus is seeing you coming? Don't pretend. And then, no, 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 no need to pretend. Let him see you, know you, be honest and transparent and bring your stuff so he can take care of your stuff and set you free from your stuff and use you despite your stuff. And that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be open because he cannot fix it until you acknowledge there is a problem there. He saw Nathanael coming with his prejudice. Jesus said, I saw you coming. Can I tell you, Sister Colette? Jesus knew you while you were yet a child. He, he knows the baggage that you're bringing. Disciple Monica, he knows the burden that you have on your mind when you can't sleep at night. Minister Derek, Jesus knows everything. There is no need to pretend. That's why this, the word says, take everything to the Lord in prayer. Be honest. Be open. You know, you know and let, let me be real for a minute. Folks say things like, you know, I, I don't hate nobody, but I just can't stand her. <laughs> Brother Brett, you know, how, you know what they say. Say, I, I love everybody. You know, a fellowship with everybody. But let there be something where this person is invited. They'll go all the way around if the person is sitting over here. They'll go all the way around to sit over there. I'm amazed how folks pretend as if God cannot see and hear what they really are thinking and what they really are feeling. Sometimes I think people think God is dumb. God don't know what's really going on. You know, it's like, it's like you know, Brother Brett, I know you can identify with this. You know, you tell your wife, you're, you're upset. I'm not upset. And she's looking at you like, 
just say you upset. But I digress. God wants us to be transparent and honest. He knows who we really are. He knows when we are struggling. So Jesus already knew where Nathanael was. He knew what Nathanael was thinking. He knew what Nathanael had said to Philip. He knew everything about him. So when Jesus saw him coming, Jesus was not just trying. Is there somebody that's new? You cannot surprise God. You cannot amaze God. You cannot wow God. You cannot caught him off guard. It's not possible because God knows everything, sees everything. So when God calls you to go out in the vineyard to do the work of the ministry, stop saying all those excuses because God knows the real reason sometimes you just don't want to. Sometimes you just don't want to give up the luxury that you're living. But let me remind you, that everything has an expiration date. That this life also has an expiration date. And the only guarantee we have is working for the Lord. For the word of God says only what we do for the Lord will last. So when God calls you, say yes, Lord. If you're struggling, say I'm struggling, Lord. Help me because I'm not quite there yet. And let him work in you. But do not make any excuses. So Jesus said to Philip, uh, to uh, Nathanael, I saw you coming. I know you. Here comes a son of David, a Jew, in whom there is no deceit. God can search your heart and mind. One of the things that we need to do every day is ask God to search our hearts and mind. Clean us up so we can be right. Do not pretend or go before the Lord with those things that are unresolved as if God cannot see us for who we really are. And lastly, when Nathanael heard what Jesus said, he said, Rabbi, you are the one that has been prophesied about. Rabbi, you are the one. He was amazed. He was impressed. He had finally met the one. Now he finally understands what John the Baptist had said about Jesus a day or so before. And Jesus' response to him, to his statement of faith is, you, you believe now because I tell you that I saw you while you were under the, the tree. But you will see greater things than this. You will experience greater things than the glory of God will be made manifest as angels will be ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And this occurred at the baptism of Jesus a few days later. As the dove rested upon Jesus at the Jordan where John the Baptist was baptizing him. The point here is that it is an honor to be a disciple of Jesus who is the only Savior of the world. See, 
we have to take control of the fact that we do not have to prove anything to the world about the oneness, the awesomeness, the godliness of Jesus. Jesus takes care of that by himself. All we need to do is to share the good news that we know who he is for ourselves. I don't have to convince anybody that Jesus is God. That is not my ministry. That is not my calling. My calling is not to debate. It's not to argue. It's not to prove that Jesus is God. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of intellectual ability. All I am called to do is right here. Go here, therefore, and make disciples, baptize, and teach in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm called to do. Now, if you want it, bless you. If you don't want it, I shake the dust off my feet and keep moving because it's not my job to convince you. It's my job to share with you that Jesus is the one. And if you want him to be your one, you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Then you will realize that he is the one. And sometimes we make evangelism very complex. It's not that hard. Not that hard. You are not called to convince anybody. You're not called. All you ought to do is to share the good news and live it up to the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Jesus is the manifestation of God's glory. Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the prophet that had been written about. You are the one that was prophesied in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come the ruler of Israel, whose origin are from of old, from ancient times. And this prophecy was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and Luke chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. I look it up. There are 44 prophecies that were made about Jesus, and they all became reality from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, it says a Messiah will be born of a virgin, and that happened. Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23. It is also said in Isaiah 11, verse 1, the Messiah will be called a Nazarene, and here we are in John, we're talking about Jesus from Nazareth. In other words, Jesus did not just pop up out of a thin air. He is the one that was spoken of hundreds of years prior to his arrival. And I could go on and on and on about the prophecies about Jesus. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to encourage you this morning that if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you are in good company. You are the one. Right now, there are people who are going to pilgrimage. There are people who are going under a tree. There are people worshiping in different places, hoping that they are praying to the real God. And so we can come here into the sanctuary and praise the holy name of Jesus because we know that we know that we know that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the light of our salvation. 
He is the destroyer of death. Oh, I'm so glad that the time will come when death will be destroyed. I'm so glad that Jesus will hold death accountable. Behold, there will be no more mourning and suffering. Jesus became the propitiation of our sins. In other words, he shed his blood so you and I can live. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the hope for a world ensnared in a pandemic. While people are trying to figure out how they're going to make it from day to day, can I tell you today, you who believe in the Lord Jesus the Christ ought to be hallelujah happy because you have found the one. I don't know how long you've been looking. I don't know what your experience have been. But what I do know is, I can almost guarantee your life has never been the same since you gave your life to Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you, those of you who are looking at this streaming, wherever you are, whatever country you are in, I want you to know, unless you have Jesus, you do not have the one. I want you to know that if you want to have the experience that you are really looking for, if you want to have the God that you really want to worship, if you want to have the Spirit of the living God to really lead you, you need to give your life to Jesus. Because only Jesus can give you the hope that you need, the peace that you want, the love that you, you, you are looking for, the encouragement that everybody needs to make it from day to day. You need to give your life to Jesus. So as you go through this holiday season and you're going into Christmas, may I remind you, whatever you do, give yourself the best gift ever. Give yourself Jesus. I know this is still a uh, day after Thanksgiving shopping season and it's going to be Cyber Monday and people are buying stuff here and there and you try to stock up on a whole lot of things. Can I tell you that in the midst of all of that, give yourself Jesus. Because if you give yourself Jesus, he will keep you in times of storm. He will bless you in times of trouble. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will make you smile in a funeral. He'll give you hope when things are desperate. Jesus will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will bless you. He will love on you. He will make you smile. He'll be your comforter. Right now, Lysandra is in Denver, and she's by herself. And during this uh, season of Thanksgiving, she has no family, nobody over there in Denver. And my prayer every day is, Lord, I'm not there. Colette is not there. But you know what? That's okay, because you promise that you'll be a company keeper. Go down to Denver and put your arms around my baby. Let her know that she is not alone. Can I tell you, when you are laying down in the hospital bed, you know that Jesus is going to sleep right next to you. Whether you are in prison, he will be in the cell with you. Wherever you are, Jesus will be your friend. He is the one. No need to look for nobody else. No need to go over here. No need to go over there. Just open your heart. Just open your mind and invite Jesus into your life. He is the one. He can save you. 
He can bless you. He can restore you. He can guide you. He can love on you. He can lead you. Just give your life to Jesus. He is the one. As the praise team comes, I really want to do this today. I want to open the doors of the church because I think it's very important for us to understand. I don't try to talk negatively about nobody else's religion. That's your personal preference. Wherever you choose to worship, wherever you choose to go, that's your personal preference. But I'm here to tell you that I know that Jesus is the one. And I'm here to invite you to taste and see. Try Jesus. He told Philip, follow me. Can I tell you, give your life to Jesus. The only way for you to figure out and discover that he is the one is if you give him your life today. Not tomorrow, not later, right now. So as the praise team and the musicians are playing this softly, I want to encourage you right now as I extend the invitation during this season of pandemic, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You may not make it till next year. As a matter of fact, you may not make it till next week. But I want you to know that Jesus is inviting you to follow him right now. He is the one. Andrew discovered that he is the one. Philip discovered that he is the one. Nathanael discovered that he is the one. Can I tell you it's time that you discover that Jesus is the one. You don't need to go to any other religion. You don't need to go to any other place. Just close your eyes right now and invite him into your life as I pray this prayer. Lord, we are tired of looking and searching. We open our hearts and minds to receive you as our Lord and Savior. And we declare that you are the one, the one in whom we live and have our being, the one who sustained us by your love, the one who saved us and redeemed us by your blood. You are the one, the Logos, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Savior. You are the one. So on this day, God, we want to forsake every other gods of this world and give our lives to you. We want, Lord, for you to be the Lord of our lives as we accept you, as we invite you to fellowship with us and to be our God. And brothers and sisters, if you prayed that prayer with me, if you believe that to be so, the word of God said, you are saved. You have the one. And the record is that thereafter, Andrew, Peter, Nathanael, and Philip, they followed Jesus up until the time that he ascended to heaven. 
And I pray that on this day, that you would have made up your mind that you will follow Jesus until the time you exit this world. It is the best decision you will ever make. May God bless you and strengthen you during this season as you discover for yourself that Jesus is the one. God bless you. prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or prayer report or would like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519, or call us at 919-363-5198. www.pgc-carry.org Thank you again.